Same place and that same understanding, I realized, and he belongs to me. And he belongs to me. And so the enemy can't take what I have because what I have doesn't belong to me. What I have belongs to him. My whole life and everything that consists of my life belongs to him. And everything that he has belongs to me. And even in that seemingly lost, those things that I lost actually belong to him. And someday, I'm going to see them, they're going to belong to me again. And the importance of the covenant and the recognition. And it comes down to day-to-day life where Paul said, be careful how you lend your body over to things. He was talking about sexual immorality at that place. He said, but just keep in your consciousness this covenant that you don't belong to yourself anymore. You can't just give your body to whatever you want to give your body to because it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. That this body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. So watch what you do with it. Watch what you put in it. Not just food-wise, but ears-wise, what what you put in it because it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Wow. Come on now, that can get religious, but when we start talking about it, whew. Man, he came to live on the inside of you. And there's no place for the enemy to come in and steal when you have that revelation. Because he can't get a hold of something that belongs to him. Praise the Lord. My body belongs to him. My thoughts really belong to him. My emotions belong to him. I'm in covenant. So if they belong to him, he gave me, you know, people will go, uh, I know, you know, sometimes I get a, a negative rap because I'm not really that big into feelings controlling us. So some people think I don't have any feelings, but I do. I understand that. God created us with emotions, but he didn't create us for emotions to control us. So when I give him my emotions, then he helps me emote in the right way. But if I just say, man, I can't help it. These are my emotions. I'm just an emotional person. God says, well, those are my emotions. So let me govern them. Well, this is just the way I think. Well, if I give him my thoughts, he said, now let me govern those. Through you, we work together with him in covenant. Amen? Praise the Lord. That's just good news. So when we realize that, we walk in a new boldness. The enemy can't take what I have. Why? Because what I have belongs to him. My kids belong to him. Whoo, aren't you glad? Glory to God. When you think your teenagers are slipping away and you can't do nothing about it, then you say, well, they're not mine anyway. They belong to you. Come on. And that's just true, I can tell you, from experience. But I also know, you know, our Nana, you know, these, there's three ladies around this place. Two of them are in the front row. I won't mention any names, Tasha and Sean. And I think Tara's working in the TV room. Not mentioning any names. But I know at one point in time, you know, through a whole series of events, their mom just had to say, well, I can't control this. I just give them to God. Best thing she ever could have done. She wasn't that good at controlling it. 
I'm not saying anything against her, right? All of us are in that place. She just said, well, I'll just give them to God. And look at where they all are right now. Praise the Lord. Because they didn't belong to her anyway. And once we realize, well, they don't belong to me anyway. I'm stewarding them. But at some point, he's got a great plan. So we're talking about covenant connections. And we look at that and we realize I'm in covenant with God. The devil can't take what I have. It, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. And I belong to him. And if I belong to him, he belongs to me. Glory to God. Man, that's good news. I'm just preaching the gospel. The good news. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may say, well, I got some stuff in my life. I know. I know where you're at. I usually won't just kind of testify and, and relate uh, a, a lot of things. But you know what? I know what it feels like to think, man, I've lost just about everything. And I don't know what to do. And then realize, you haven't lost anything. I mean, the Spirit of God says, snap out of it. You haven't lost anything. You still got me. And I still got you. And you go, well, hmm, ain't that a revelation? And you know, I just kept listening to that song for a long time. It took me a while to come back. That's what we have to realize. We don't, you don't ever want to get to that place. It takes a little while to get back. But oh God, if you're not quite there yet, just to hear this word today and say, like, whoop, stop right there, devil. You can't take nothing from me because it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. Glory to God. Open your Bibles with me. The Hebrews is the 13th chapter. Hebrews is the 13th chapter. We've used this as our foundational text. Hebrews is the 13th chapter. That's one section of our, our message there. So if you don't get anything out of the rest of it, this was for you, then you can take that one home. If you didn't get anything out of that, then we'll get something else for you to take home. <laughs> he says, now, uh, Hebrews 13, verse 20, he says, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Somebody say, the blood of the everlasting covenant. The blood of the everlasting. Come on, this is what we're talking about. Make you complete in every good work to do his will. He said, listen, I want to complete you in me. I want to complete you, right, to do my will or to, to be good at everything that you do according to my will. He's working in you that what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. So all those scriptures, you know, uh, uh, we'll look at them. Don't want to spend too much time on this, but, you know, we have a little book called In Him. Uh, uh, Brother Mark Hankins has a book, Taking Your Place in Christ. So many of these things, so many of these promises that we look at, being complete through him or in him. Well, that's all covenant language because we got engrafted into Christ, when we said, I accept the blood sacrifice, I accept when you shed your blood, then we were saying, I recognize that you were my substitute, that you identified with my sin so I could identify with your righteousness. So in the bloodline, your blood, man's blood was, was mingled with God's blood on the cross to make a, a great covenant between man and God. And since I am human, I'm man, now I can accept that. Once I accept that, then I'm no longer just 
human. But I've accepted the life of God into my life. So my life now, I become a God-man. I become offspring of God, the new birth. Right? Offspring of God. Born again. So I was born in the natural, so I'm human. But I was born again of the Spirit. Right? So now I'm different. I'm just not ordinary. So the enemy would try to convince us, well, you're just ordinary. You're just like everyone else except for you're going to heaven. But if you accepted the blood of Jesus, you're not just like everybody else. And there's a reason for that because we don't want to live just like everybody else. Because if we begin to realize who we are and begin to live differently, then we begin to be a representing or a reflection of him through this newness of life. And it might be in part as we grow, but as people begin to see, wow, you're not the same person you used to be. We could say, well, my willpower is really doing that. Or we could say, I know I'm not, and I never could be that different except for what Jesus has done for me. And you're just seeing what he's done for me as it's working through me. Amen. Amen. And so we have that great covenant, God's working within that. So we, we began last week, we're starting on five ingredients, five ingredients uh, to covenant connections or these covenant relationships. These three covenant relationships that we're talking about, your relationship with God, family relationships, marriage relationships, and the relationships of the church, they are all relationships that are found within the scripture. They are God-ordained, God-appointed relationships. They are divinely created bonds, right? Divinely created bonds. And so they have attributes to them in this divinely created bonds. And so I want to look at it this way. Just put this in your thinking because of the levels or, or how these relationships work. So when we're, we're talking about this covenant, we're talking about your relationship with God. Our relationship with God, we are, it has all the components, but we are looking at the primary thing is really in that relationship how God loves us how God loves us, right? So once we get that, the Bible says, if we know how much he loves us, we love him because he first loved us. So when we see the great love with which he loved us, then we accept that love and we learn to reciprocate. So reciprocation is in it, but it's primarily knowing how much God loves us. So then if you're married, you have family, right? Some people say, well, I'm not married, but you have family. Then in family, we transition that, and the primary part of family is how we love them. So my concentration, I already know I'm loved by God because I have that covenant with God. So now God's given me a relationship in family. He's given me a relationship to Tasha. So my concentration in that is how I love her. For her, it's how she loves me. Right? So it's vital. We learn from God. So then we begin to do it. And in the church, we love with. We learn to join together and love a lost and dying world with one another. So those components, right? If it's going to work, Tasha has to love me. If it's going to work, I have to love God. So those components are there, but if we really look and say, okay, this is how God loved me, 
and I reciprocate in that covenant relationship. But then I take that and say, this is how I love her. She reciprocates. We have that. This is how we love our children. Then they look at that. But then we come into the body and instead of going, well, if you do this for me, if you do that, now we love with each other. Okay, so we're looking at the different levels and different components of those relationships. If that just helps you to think about it, because they, they, they flow together, they mix together, but they have different components to them. We don't throw one out with another. But then we, we begin to talk about these five ingredients that every divinely created bond has. And so number one, we're going to dive into it. <clears throat> Hopefully we'll get into the first two in some depth this morning. We might get to number three, but I don't know. Uh, the first one, in fact, I'll give you all five of them. How's that? And then... Uh, you can write them down, and you can find out if we'll even get to the number five. We won't today, I can guarantee you, but uh, just the way some things work. Number one, uh, they're transcendent. Number two, they have a chain of command. Oh, lock the doors. Uh, every covenant relationship has a chain of command. They have governing guidelines. They have governing guidelines. Number four, they have sanctions. And number five, they have an inheritance. They're always generational. That helps us. It isn't just about us. It isn't just about us. So number one, we started to crack this nut open last week, that this, uh, these relationships are transcendent. So Webster's definition of transcendent is this. It means very excellent. So these covenant relationships are very excellent. They're God-designed, right? So because they're transcendent, they're superior. That Webster's means very excellent. Superior or supreme in excellence. It means surpassing others. Surpassing others in worth and in valor. In worth and in valor. So, you know, in these relationships, we see a few times where, especially in Joshua, where, where God says, now you're going to have to be very strong and courageous. Well, that's what valor means, courageous. He said these covenant relationships are, are uh, transcendent, and so they're more excellent than man could make them, right? And because they're more excellent, they're superior, they're godlike, then they have great value, and because there will be a contention against them, they also provide with the knowledge of them the courage to stand for them. Which we haven't done well because we haven't understood that. So when the enemy has come to break down the knowledge of how binding these relationships are, he's pulled us apart for lack of understanding. But when we understand that they're transcendent, they are created by God, Therefore, they are defined by God. Defined by God. So we're in a culture and a generation that likes to make their own definitions. But you can't make your own definition of church. You can't make your own definition of marriage. And you can't make your own definition of who God is. Now, you might be able to. You might say, well, I made my definition. But it won't be right. And with it not being right, you won't come under the power and the covering of the covenant. If you make your own, you're on your own for the protection and staying out of the storms of life. If, well, I'll just make up my own. 
You know, some people say that, well, my Holy Spirit isn't like your Holy Spirit. Well, our Holy Spirit's pretty much the same Holy Spirit. If it's not the same Spirit, we better be careful. You say, well, I know that, but the way he relates to me. Well, certainly he relates to you personally, but if he's starting to relate to you and you can't find it in the Word of God, you need to come back because the Holy Spirit and the Word of God always agree. It's just part of the covenant, right? And so because that's transcendent, uh, and it says it's great in valor, valor means this strength of mind in regard to danger. So he said, these covenants, man, they give, they're godlike. And being in covenant with somebody, being in covenant with God, being in covenant in your marriage, being in covenant in the church, when trials come upon you, that covenant will give you strength of mind in danger. Why? Because I'm not on my own. I'm not on my own. I have covenant partnership in that. And so because it is ours, it, because it is his, and it's transcendent. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55. These are things, if we, if we really put our heart into it, we see the, the knowledge of it, we see what God's doing, and we begin to release ourselves to that, which begins to open up all kinds of new avenues of revelation. Of revelation. And we'll get into this in just a moment, but really God intended when he created man that man would live by revelation, not by reason. See, we tend to default to reasoning, but God would rather us live by revelation. But when we default to reasoning, we can only live by what we see in the natural. When we give way to revelation, we can see what God sees. Amen. So Isaiah 55, starting in verse 7, says this, let the, weak forsake his, uh, let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Say, so, well, thank God I'm not wicked. But if your ways are different than his ways, and your thoughts are different than his thoughts, time to forsake them. Let him return to the Lord, And he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Come on. All of a sudden you're like, wow, this covenant isn't mine anyway. I can't define it. Why was I doing things the way I was doing them? And why was I thinking the way I was thinking? God, I'm sorry. What a dumb thought. Why was I going that way? That wasn't the right way. I'm sorry. And it says he'll be quick to have mercy on you, and he will abundantly pardon you. Reading on, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Man, who wants to rise up and think a little bit different? Who wants to live on a different plane? Because God wants us to think different. He wants us to live on a different plane. He doesn't want us to be down here where the enemy controls every thought, every emotion, every way that we go. The enemy just knows, well, you're going pretty good. All I got to do is throw this into the pot, and you're off thinking something you shouldn't be thinking. You're off doing things you shouldn't be doing just because I threw something that stirred you up. 
But man, when he throws it in there and you're like, my thoughts aren't that good. So I yield to his thoughts. The way I was going wasn't the right way. So I believe I walk in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He goes on to say this. I need to keep reading or we may not even get through one. All right. For as the heavens, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and they do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Might highlight that, the word that goes out of my mouth. Because there's something about this covenant connection that has to do with the word. He said, my word won't return void. It'll accomplish what it will. Larry Hutton was here. He talked about these words. Now listen, he says, this is the plan. And he gives some word here. He says, for you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. The trees of the field shall clap their hands. Woo! Come on now. All right, I need to keep reading. <laughs> instead of the thorn shall come up cypress trees, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that it shall not be cut off. Listen, he's talking to them about desert places, dry places geographically that he would begin to prosper. But for us, he said, there's dry places in your life because of the way that you've been going. But when you bring my word into your life, I'm going to bring this. And he said in the New Testament, Paul said this, he said, all creation... All creation is groaning and travailing and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. He said when we start breaking forth as the sons of God, the mountains, the hills, the trees, creation will begin to rejoice at the manifestation of the church rising up. Come on. Things that were dry places, God's going to replace them. Why? Because his word comes forth and like rain from heaven, it's not just coming and bouncing and going back to heaven. It's coming and it's going into the hearts of men and it's watering things that have been planted there so that it'll bring forth 30 and 60 and 100 fold. Well, I just soon think the way I want to think. Then you'll have desert heart. And if you have desert heart, you'll feel deserted. But man, when you receive the word of God, it's like rain comes down. Your heart begins to get pliable and subtle again. That fallow ground of your heart begins to soften and break up. And the seed of the word of God goes in there. And he begins to water it until it grows up and it produces. And you'll break forth with joy. You'll come out with singing. That's God's plan. For covenant with you. Well, I don't think. Well, quit thinking like that. I don't think you look at I don't think you've seen my life. Well, maybe he has seen your life. He says, Listen, I have a better plan. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. What will be will be. I guess my life in the in the way that it is, which no, God has a better plan for your life. Well, if God has a better plan, why is it happening? Because you're thinking your own thoughts, you're going your own way, you're getting your the results of your own. But God said, if you'll come back to me, if you'll realize you belong to me now. I got you. 
I got you. If you quit trying, to, quit trying to squirm and get out of my hands. You know, I have my grandson, and sometimes I got him, and all of a sudden, he starts squirming, and you wonder, I don't know if I got you. It's like, I can't throw you up in the air, and you do your own thing. You have to be thinking like I'm thinking. Because <laughs> if I throw you up and think you're coming back down, and you do something different, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So these things are created by God. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts and our thoughts. But we start to realize that if we're not careful, we try to determine. And we try to determine we get outside of the covenant. Turn over to Genesis chapter 3. Just a couple of examples to help us understand. If you're like, you know what, I see different things. The enemy puts things in front of me, and it just seems different. Or I, 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 I've done all this, and I think it should work this way. That's where we have to yield to God. God makes the, the, the boundaries. God sets it up. He makes the rules. So even as we go into three, you know, two, three, four, and five, you have to understand God's transcendent. I need to really look into this and endeavor what God is saying because I want to stay under the umbrella of this covenant. I want it to be him in me, me in him. I don't want God to be afar off somewhere. I want to realize the covenant of the union that exists. And that when we come into union together, we're not just exactly all clones the same, but we have that united unity of goal, unity of, of vision that is God's plan for our life. So in Genesis chapter 3, many of you know this, it says, And the woman said to the serpent, uh, he had just asked, can you eat of the trees of the garden? We may not eat of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So that's what God said. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now listen, God said, in the day that you eat it, you will die. And the enemy said, look at this. In the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open. Huh. There's a contradiction. There's a contradiction. You ever run into a contradiction? You ever run into a contradiction of what God says and then what you think it looks like? And you've been faced with a decision of what you think would be best for you, but what God said would be best for you. We all run into that. But when we understand covenant, we really understand that God's way and his thoughts transcend if the covenant's going to work. So it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she made her own decision. I'm adding a little paraphrase. She made her own decision, took of its fruit, and ate. And she gave to her husband. And in his stupidity, he ate. <laughs> then the eyes of them both were open. So a tad of truth in the lie. The eyes of them both were open, and they realized they were dead. So wait a minute. They realized they were naked, which for them meant they were dead. The presence of God had left their life. You ever made a decision and all of a sudden you went, what happened? You'd been walking with God and you made a decision. You were like, what happened? 
Oops. What did I do? Well, he said he'd never leave you or forsake you, but the awareness that now I'm in control, he's not in control, you became aware of. I just took control of my own life. So he stepped back. It was your decision. So in all of their decision-making, they knew that they were naked. So they went and made clothes for themselves, which were not sufficient. Can you imagine, just for a moment, I'm taking way too much time. My imagination is get going. God came down. He said, where are you? Finally, they came out. He had to go like, what are you wearing? That is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. What are you thinking? We are so limited outside of God. Well, we'll sew some leaves together and cover our nakedness. And God's like, man, that sin made you miss the whole point, didn't it? If you think those leaves are going to cover what just got exposed, you are kidding yourself. See, we run around trying to cover what just got exposed by the enemy when we make our own decision. And God says, there's only one way to get rid of that stain. And he said, you don't even have to cover it anymore. Quit trying to cover it. I'll cleanse it so you don't have to deal with it. All right, Genesis chapter 4, listen to this. It said, in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the first fruit of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, or if you do what is right. So in other words, he knew. It wasn't like a, a guessing game. He knew what was right to do. He said, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and, you're, and it des, its desire is for you that it should rule over you. So if you know the story, he made his own decision. And he became lost and a vagabond. Other than participating in the plan that God had for him, he became a vagabond. He ended up being so intent on his own way that he killed his brother out of envy for what his brother did. Sometimes we get mad at people for doing right because we're doing wrong. Well, those people, they just think they're so... Why are you thinking about what they think about themselves? Well, because I think I'm not, I don't measure up. But if you do what's right, God will come in. So just understand this. Sin waits at the door of decision. Sin waits at the door of decision. The decision to disobey God, do it our way then sin is able to dominate and will always end in destruction. Will always end. It's a process. Sin is conceived, gives birth, and then grows through a decision. But the decision of obedience to God's way, then righteousness dominates and it leads to life peace, and blessing. Life, peace, and blessing. So sin waits at the door of decision. 
Come on, we're washed of sin, but even back then, even right after sin entered into the earth, he said, listen, you have an opportunity to dominate sin through obedience to my ways, not your own ways, and to make that sin cannot dominate you. You will rule over it. It won't rule over you. But at the decision, sin is waiting for your decision. And when you disobey God, it will creep in and begin to rule over you to bring forth destruction. I believe it was John Maxwell said this, that every person is one decision away from stupid. Every person just one decision away from stupid. And we see this throughout the Bible. In Joshua chapter 7, Achan, God said, go utterly destroy Jericho. And don't you keep any of the spoil. Why? Because he's saying, first things first. I'm ready to give you a defeat and you'll get all the spoil. But don't take the spoil. And Achan saw some good things. And he said, you know what? I believe I, I won't obey God. I'll take this for myself. And it not only affected Achan, it affected the whole nation's victory over the next city, which was Ai, which was much smaller than Jer- uh, Jericho. They should have taken it. They couldn't take it because Achan hid stuff under his tent. You think that what you're doing in disobedience to God only affects you? No, it doesn't. Then we see Saul, who he was supposed to wipe out all the Amalekites in 1 Samuel chapter 15, and he decided, you know what, we'll keep the best of the stuff, and then we'll sacrifice, you know, we'll leave the bad stuff, we'll destroy the bad stuff, and God will be happy. And God said, what are you doing? Obedience is far better than sacrifice. Why? Because God has a plan for this covenant. It's transcendent, it's higher, it's more supreme, it's excellent it's valuable, and it gives you the valor to take it. Amen. Number two, every covenant has a chain of command. Every covenant has a chain of command. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. He said, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. He says, now there's a chain of command in every covenant that exists. So we see really in the Father, even in the Father, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, there's a chain of command. Now listen, any chain of command has nothing to do really with, with your, your value or your, your, your nature of being. It has to do with functionality within the covenant. It has to do with responsibility within the covenant. Praise the Lord. So we're getting ready to move into where angels fear to tread. In our culture right now, y'all are even getting quiet. You're wondering, oh my God, here he just said the, the husband's the head of wife. Oh my God. We see we're not supposed to be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Every woman in here is nervous right now. Oh God, you're going to take us years backwards. I hope so a little bit. But with better instruction than we had before. Because when it's out of order, it's out of covenant. When it's out of order, it's out of covenant. It comes out from that umbrella. So we have situations that are out of order. 
So if Jesus is our example, then we understand this, that Jesus said this. This is the order and understanding, and Jesus is saying, I'm not telling you something that isn't a divine order that we all, all of us don't understand and obey, that even though I'm one with the Father, I have a different function with the Father, and because of that functioning to come all the way down to the earth and affect human life, affect families, affect the church, affect humanity in the whole, it has to be in order, and I'm part of that divine order. Otherwise, out of that order, Christ really never gets done what he's supposed to get done, right? Because in his humanity, he wouldn't have obeyed God. But because he understood there's a chain of command, he operated in that. So he says this in John, the the 12th chapter, the 49th verse. He said, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command. And what I should say and what I should speak And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, I speak. He said, I don't speak something that the Father hasn't told me. Why? Because there's a chain of command. And if I misrepresent the Father, I'll misrepresent redemption. If I misrepresent redemption, man could never be saved. If man is never saved, he can never join to God. If he never joins to God, he can never change his world. So you can see we're not being world changers because we got out of order. So I told you his word doesn't return void. What did Jesus kept saying? He said, what I speak, I heard the Father speak. And so I do in line with what I speak. He kept saying that. I don't speak of my own authority, but I speak. Why? Because the words that God speaks, the commands that he gives, and the words that he speaks are so important that what he speaks goes from Jesus through the Holy Spirit to man, to leaders, to man, to his wife, uh, leaders to the church, what he said so that it could be heard, so that it could be processed. There's an example of it. We could live it, and we could pass it down to the next. But if Jesus would have said, I got some things I'm thinking that God's not thinking. I believe I'll say something God didn't say. We wouldn't be redeemed. John 14, he says this, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So he says of the Holy Spirit, John 6, 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine And the Holy Spirit will take of what is mine and he will give it to you. Chain of command. So he said there's something huge about faith that understands chain of command. We're having trouble with our faith in God. We're making up things about what God said to us. And then we're going, well, God didn't come through because he should have done this. But we're not accurately translating what he said, so we have no authority over the devil. 
So the centurion in Matthew came to Jesus, and he said, I have a servant who's dreadfully tormented, and Jesus, which everybody wanted Jesus to come. So Jesus was cool. He said, I'll come. And the centurion said, wait a minute. You don't have to come. Don't even waste your time coming. Just speak the word. Wow. So God said, my word won't return void. Jesus said, I only speak what I hear the Father speak. And the Holy Spirit won't say anything to you that the Father hadn't said to me that I told the Holy Spirit. So he said, you just speak the word and my servant will be made well. Because I understand this. If I get a command from above to me, I pass it down and it gets done. Because I understand authority. And Jesus went, what? Jesus looked at Peter, James, and John and said, did you just hear that? And they said, sure, we heard it. It's a soldier. He said, that understanding was so full of faith that I've not even found in you three. Okay, I'm just going to give you a nugget. We'll have to pick up next time. So in the family, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Whoo! We love that. Get back to that, pastor. Come on. (laughs) We will. But unfortunately, if a husband does not know the word of God, He cannot speak what God has said about his wife and his family. And if he can't speak it because he's not submitted to it, he has broken the chain of command. But if I say, as a husband, we are not going to be offended because Jesus said, Take no offense. There you go. And the wife says, yes, I receive that and I will not be offended. Watch God move. But if she says, don't tell me to not be offended. She moves out of covenant. And there's a problem. If he says, you listen to me, you're going to the lake with me today because I said so. (laughs) Who cares? God didn't say you have to go to the lake or she has to go to the lake. If you're trying to get her to do what you want to do, you've got out of covenant. But if you know the word of God and you see the enemy's trying to creep in through offense, the enemy's trying to creep in through bad thinking, The enemy's trying to creep in through the way you're talking and you have heard it and you uh, as a husband are, are working on being an example and you speak what? You speak the word. And you take a responsibility to learn and know the word. Now you have authority not to dominate your wife. You have authority over the devil to protect your home. 
But your authority in your wife is to speak the word. Jesus said, I am the one that you're to be, a, an, I'm an example to you, and I speak the word, and I do the word, and I release it to you, and if you submit to it and follow it, you will be blessed. If you don't, that's your choice. But you step out of the covenant. Just a thought, there's more to that, but we'll have to go into it next week. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. Whoo! You're such a good God. I thank you that we belong to you, and you belong to us. That you have wisdom beyond ours. That your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. So we yield to you today. Show us your thoughts. Speak to us things we've not yet heard. Show us things we've not yet seen. Give us understanding about things we've not yet understood that we might walk in your ways. We might think your thoughts. And in that covenant, we might be so blessed, protected, healthy, healed, and whole that it would go beyond what we ever asked, hoped, dreamed, or thought. According to your word, bless this people as they go from this place. Be a constant reminder to them that they are in you, you are in them, that we're not our own. We've been bought at the price of the blood of Jesus. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, the altar workers will be up here to pray with you. Never made Jesus the Lord of your life. That's how you enter into that divine covenant relationship. Just come up and say, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. They'll show you scripture. They'll pray with you. You can enter into that relationship this morning with Jesus Christ. Why don't you stand with me? Say this, we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.